Move, Go, Walk, and Flow. This podcast, Special Needs in Motion, is dedicated to helping individuals learn to move and function at their best. Listen along to learn a little, laugh a little, and be inspired. Please like and share so others can have access and join our community. Well, let's go. I'm your host, Ilana, a physical therapist, product developer, mom, wife, author, blogger, and known to many as the idea therapist. I love a great discussion, connecting and coaching the families with whom I work, and it is a pleasure to be your host. Just a quick note, if you would like to sponsor an episode, please reach out to me, Ilana, I-L-A-N-A, at theideatherapist.com, or check the show notes. And any information shared on this podcast should not be taken as direct advice, and you should consult your local therapist, professional, or doctor before trying anything suggested in this podcast. Hi, this is Ilana, your host of Special Needs in Motion, and tonight I am here with Marlena Brochu, and she is a mom and quite knowledgeable as far as knowing about the vein of gallon malformation, which is a brain defect. It's it's a disformity from birth, and she's going to explain to us how she knows so much about that, about uh, the nonprofit organization, and I think we're all going to find it extremely informative. So first, Marlene, I wanted to welcome you. Thank you so much for your time and being here tonight. Thank you, Ilana, for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited to talk with you. Yeah, and I, though I'm a physical therapist, I haven't had any children with this particular diagnosis, and, you know, I learned about it, but I'm really excited to educate people and parents on this and and really how you're involved in it. So first, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and don't be shy because you have some really cool things that you've done. Okay, well, I'm Marlena Brochu. I'm the CEO and co-founder of the Vein of Galen Malformation Support Network, a nonprofit we have just recently launched, actually, like a month ago on Rare Disease Day. We launched it on February 29th. It's quite new. And um, the a Vein of Galen Malformation is an arterial, arterial venous malformation, an AVM in the brain that usually only affects newborns because if you don't have it treated, you'll usually pass away, you know, uh, before you're a few years old. There aren't, there are many ABM foundations, but there wasn't one specifically for vein of Galen or for children, like infant ABM. So my, one of the other mom, Lena Spizak and I started this foundation to help parents who have just recently got had a child who was diagnosed, or they can be diagnosed in vitro or just after birth. So we wanted to help these new parents. So we've started the foundation, give them up-to-date information because it is such a rare condition. Literally, you'll have a doctor come in the room and they just told you what you verbatim what you just Googled because they just Googled it because they have never heard of it. Right, like me. Yes. <laughs> So it's quite scary and we always think we can trust our doctors and they usually have our best interest in mind, but they don't want to be like, Hey, I don't know what this is. And they might you know, try to do the surgeries when 
there are doctors that specialize in this who've been doing it for 30 plus years that you want to go to for treatment because it doesn't have great outcomes. Like when I, when we found out that Archer had it, I was at my 40 week ultrasound because I didn't want to be induced. So they wanted to make sure the levels were fine. Like my fluid levels, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't too big. And they found it because usually towards the end of the pregnancy is when the baby starts doing its own, you know, pumping of its own blood starts being ready to be in the world and you stop doing all its wor- the work for it. And that's when the vein bubbles up in the brain because the arteries and the veins are not connected correctly. And so then the arteries are kind of like fire hoses and the veins are like a garden hose. And if you have those connected, that's way too much pressure from the arteries going to the veins. And then it causes this bubble. And that's the malformation is a bubble in the vein. And that's too much blood pumping to the, which goes from your brain to your heart and then back up. And so that's why a lot of children are in heart failure. So they'll see on the ultrasound that the heart is enlarged and then they'll see the vein and the brain. And that's when we were sent straight to the hospital to see the neonatologist. And that's where she confirmed it. And they gave, and we asked like, what does this mean? And they gave a really grim prognosis. They said it's a 99% chance he would die. And if he survives, he'd be severely mentally handicapped, which is correct if the no treatment is done. But it was frustrating because, you know, if she would have actually looked into it, they would have found out that that's not true. And if you are, do see a specialist, there are a few in the country, that the, you know, the outcomes are much better. And actually, seven months prior, Lena, my uh, the other co-founder, her daughter was also diagnosed by the same doctor. And she didn't, you know, go back and check like, oh, that was a rare condition. And I had a child who was diagnosed with that. Let me see how she's doing or who she's being treated by. So that was kind of frustrating that we actually both had the same doctor who diagnosed us with that. And that's another reason we're actually wanting, uh, we have a medical advisory team. I know I'm like jumping ahead. We have a medical advisory team and that we're going to have them do webinars because also for a general population for um, education, but for continuing education, you know, for people like yourself and for um, the doctors and nurses and everyone has to do continuing education units, you right. know, to keep their, their license up to date. And so we want that to get into the into the hospitals and doctors so that they know more about it. And then they, you know, can help diagnose these children and save lives because some are misdiagnosed or not diagnosed, you know, or just they have heart failure. Oh, then we're just going to treat that. But they never look, bother to look in the brain, you know. Right. And and I was going to ask you how they find it, but you answered that question through the ultrasound, which where the blood is backing up to the heart. So, so that's where it's diagnosed. But you also found a doctor... Berenstein in New York, right? Yes. My husband um, did a lot of research those first few days. And we have some friends that are doctors as well and gave us access to their medical library and such. So he found some of his research papers. And he actually, Dr. Berenstein in New York City, was like pioneered this treatment um, for the vein of Galen where he embolizes it. He actually with a glue. Now they use a medical grade glue, but back 30 years ago when he invented it, he actually used super glue from the grocery store, like whoa, actual crazy glue. Um, <laughs> Amazing. And, and so they go in through the, um, your femoral artery or the 
your umbilical line, if you're just born, um, they can put one in at birth that you can use for a little bit for a week or so, and then or two weeks, I guess. And they go up through the arteries up and feed a, a catheter up to your brain and then feed up another little mini microcatheter and then actually glue off the little feeder veins feeding into the vein of Galen to stop the blood flow, like because it's too much blood flow. And then um, they can't do it all at once because it causes blood flow stopping to parts of the brain, you know, can cause problems. You can have strokes and your brain can't deal with such change, such drastic change. So you have to do a little at a time. And that's why we actually went up four times to New York. But sometimes some children only need one surgery and sometimes they they need 10 or more. It just depends. You know, you just want to kind of slow and steady wins the race. Wow. Amazing. That is really incredible what they can do with with such detail. You know, it's fascinating. Yeah, it is actually a real art form. Like they at first do an angiogram where it's kind of like real time. It's like an MRI, but more Mm -hmm. in depth where they take several pictures a second. And so they can see how the blood is flowing. And then they just analyze that and look at that for several like that's that part is couple several hours and they want to see how which ones they would block off and then if they block off this one will they not have access to this other section so they want to kind of see it all at one time and see which which ones is the best ones to close off because if you close off the you know the wrong the entrance to one section then you can't get to the other section so mm-hmm. it's a real like art form so you have to really see studies it wow there's well- several, there's a few, um, doctors that are, um, kind of specialize in. I love that you and your husband out of necessity, but the message there is when you have a diagnosis, not to give up, but to pursue and investigate and research and find, because if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't have found all this information and found this doctor. So yeah, then the he, you know, who knows how, what he right. would be like right now. And it was one of the biggest malformations they had seen. And, you know, when it's already complicated and then extra complicated, it's you mm-hmm. want to make sure you Yeah. You always have to be the biggest advocate, no matter what your child's diagnosis is. That's just yeah. all over the board. Like you are your, your child's biggest advocate. You need to question your doctors. Do not just blindly believe them because there are doctors who are trying to be this cowboy and like, Oh, let's do this. And they've only done it like three times. So he's Dr. Barrington mm-hmm. has done 300 last year alone. So, wow. so you, you don't want someone who's just done it a few times. Right. You know? Right. Tell us if you don't mind a little bit about Archer. He sounds super special that he is a survivor, but I bet he's also a thriver. So what's his personality like? Like what makes him such a uh, cool kid? I mean, other than having, you know, 10 brain surgeries, um, it makes him pretty special, but he has overcome the hospital stays and he's just always, just always smiling and really happy. And he, he's quite quirky. We, he loves leaf blowers and anything to do with lawn care. (laughs) He, um, we always go hunting for leaf blowers. You know, he'll hear them. He'll be like, mama, I hear two leaf blowers in the other neighborhood. And so we have to go check it out. (laughs) I love that. Do you know know my older son, when he was younger, he also loved leaf blowers, which is interesting. And he he would put on a backpack and get this plastic golf club and use it like it was like he'd pretend. Yeah, it's funny. We have actual like 
toy leaf blowers, but he never uses it. He has one particular stick that he loves and it's his leaf blower sticks and he tucks it underneath his arm yeah. and like blows around because he sees the guys with his backpack, you know, and then they have it coming around yes, yes. and hold it under their arm. And so I was like, always thought it was so weird how he held it, but he's, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's how they hold it. It's so funny. Uh-huh. That's They're so observant. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fun. And he sounds so creative. How how old is he now? He just turned two in February. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so fun age. Such a fun age. And he loves we do music class, which now we're doing virtual with this whole, mm-hmm. you know, epidem- <laughs> epidemic. And he just loves to be outside, you know, his choo-choo trains. He's just and loves to help me doing everything, you know, feeding the dogs. Right. We, we like to bake together. He's just super special and sweet boy and very talkative. Like he's, I, I mean, surprisingly advanced, you know, f- considering like he, you would never know. Uh-huh. Actually, everyone's like, oh, wow, he's so advanced. And I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't think after this many brain surgery. Right. Now your life changed a lot. You have a food science degree and... I have to say this because my son plays violin, but you are a violinist, concert master at the University of Georgia Philharmonic for four years and the Atlanta Community Symphony for six years. So then all that kind of came to a stop, right? Yeah. I don't know. You definitely had a lot of anxiety and with all this because the unknowns and, and just so many doctor's appointments and, you know, having to travel for surgeries and whatnot. Yeah, I definitely, I haven't gone back to orchestra, which I really want to do. It is important to have self-care and do things that, you know, yeah, for you. <laughs> and he has, he was cured as of September 19th, wow, 2019, so a few months ago. So we are, um, you know, trying to get back to norms now. But yeah, we it definitely has changed you and you it's so interesting a lot of people always say that you know oh the days are so long but the years are so short and for me it wasn't like that I've never like I've only maybe a few times counted down the hours like oh until you know bedtime because you're just so like exhausted or whatever Mm -hmm. because of those oh the witching hour and whatnot but it's really interesting because I didn't ever feel that where because I'm just so grateful for every hour you can have with him because there was so much unknown with him, like if he might make it through the surgery or this next surgery, you know, every six months we had a surgery. And I definitely feel like we are not, you know, we don't take things for granted, not that other parents do, but they don't think about that their child could die. Right. Well, we do. I think we do take it for granted and we just assume I asked you before a little bit about like, what are the silver linings? So I think this idea of gratitude, like an excessive amount of gratitude, right? Yes, for sure. And it's interesting. You also face, surprisingly, you find out who your real friends are. Like you wouldn't think it, but I guess there are different types of people. They're the types that are there for you in your hard times, but then they're the people that also leave you during your hard times, mm-hmm. which is, that was definitely was a struggle, you know, when you're going through so much anxiety and a, a even depression when you didn't even realize it, you know, until after the fact where you, but then the silver lining is I did meet so many new friends with that. Um, there's actually a Facebook support group, which also I'm sure there, you know, Facebook support groups for 
so many different rare sure. conditions or whatnot. And those are definitely important and helpful to feel not feel so alone. Yeah. Um, in in the struggle because no one can relate to you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and on that level. And actually what was really helpful is that Lena actually lived in Atlanta and we met her just a few days after Archer was born. And it was really wonderful to, to meet someone who's been through this and to meet her daughter who was doing well. You know, when you got such a yeah. grim prognosis, mm-hmm. that's another thing we were trying to do with our nonprofit is to bring, not only bring people together, obviously through the Facebook group is that support group is very helpful, but to then have kind of ambassadors in different areas and different major cities and whatnot that we can be there for them, you know, in person if they yeah. want, you know, it, that's just was a really helpful. Yeah. And I love, I like that you mentioned about, you know, how some friends went out of your life and new ones came in. And I think that happens for sure with special needs parents, but even for people who don't have special needs kids, you know, just in our lives, often, you know, we, everyone has some crisis or something that goes on in their life. You know, if you're here, you're, you're learning, you're living. And I've noticed that in my life, all of a sudden certain friends have gone out and some have come in. And so we look at it like we lost certain friends but I like to think that certain friends are just there for certain times of our life. They're not all there for our entire life. It just doesn't work that way. It's it's too much expectation on individuals. But so I sometimes don't say like, oh, well, these these aren't really my friends. I've, I found out who my real friends are. I just think there's different friends for different parts of my life. So I don't know yeah, if that helps good. other people or yeah, that's not. A- Good way to look at it. What are some of the characteristics of children with with the vein of gallon malformation? What are they different physically or anything like that? For diagnosis purposes, you can see certain things in the beginning, like a large head circumference or a a jump in head circumference. All of a sudden, um, you know how they measure it. You know every time you go to the doctor, that's a good way to tell because um, hydrocephalus is kind of a something that can go hand in hand with it. And also those little stork bites that can be on the face, or Archer has it on the back of his neck, like under right under his hairline, like on the top of his neck, mm-hmm. kind of looks like a faint red, like almost like a bruise, like a kind of a red bruise. Uh-huh. And those can also be on the face and also prominent veins, like in the forehead and stuff and around the eyes. And then obviously heart failure and things like that. So usually children either have hydrocephalus or heart failure or both, of course. And then there are lots of different outcomes with the prognosis, like completely normally developing, like Archer. He's always been kind of a little bit, I mean, he in the beginning, he like rolled over right at the cusp of when you're supposed to roll over and started crawling right you know how they say like 10 months, I need to crawl. And it was always like within a couple of weeks and he wasn't ever really delayed per se, but I did start him on early intervention just because it's a great tool to have. But then there's like, there's a child, he's I think 23 now from England and he went to Oxford and he, he's an Oxford graduate and he's doing well. And they actually flew to New York 10 times to have surgeries with Dr. Berenstein. So you can have like, completely normal, very intelligent children. And, but unfortunately, you know, 
there is that 30, 30, 30, like one third, one third, Mm -hmm. one third rule where one third die, one third are severely mentally handicapped and one third are like completely normally developing. And that's if you just go to kind of your Joe Schmo neurosurgeon. Yeah. But if you do see a specialist, usually you have much better outcomes than that. I can't give you any numbers per se, but I I have heard that they are much better. But usually the one third, one third, one third rule is, I think, in in London at GOSH, they did like a study and that's what they say the normal, that's usually the outcome. And yes, and then so a lot of times children can have um, strokes, you know, and bleeds Uh and seizures. Archer did have some seizures after his first surgery, you know, because it's like too much for the brain to adjust to because he he was a little more aggressive in the first surgery because he had to get him out of heart failure. It wasn't just kind of like a slow maintaining, you know, trying Mm -hmm. to get to a goal. But they sometimes have to be a little more aggressive and close off more of the feeder veins. Sure, and sure. he did have seizures, but that which was stopped with, you know, Keppra and um, Topamax, I believe. And he only, but he never had any more seizures after that. You know, we, we went to the neuro and had follow-up EEGs and they were all normal. And he was off of all of those medications six months later. So, but yeah, there are children who are completely nonverbal, who are wheelchair bound, you know, Right. So the early intervention, the PT, the OT speech are really crucial. Very crucial. To keep. I always recommend um, everyone, even if they don't think they're delayed or aren't, like we took advantage of it because I was like, you never know with each surgery, something can go wrong. I'd rather him be ahead of the game or already have this established and not have to wait however many weeks to get, you know, evaluated and blah, blah, blah. So we got, we went through Babies Can't Wait, which is through the Georgia um, program. And each state has a different one. It's called something different for each state, but I highly recommended it. They're wonderful. They come to our house. We love them so. Archer loves them so. We do (laughs) PT and OT. And I just very much recommend it, even if, you know, why not? Like, it's kind of like having a personal trainer. You can lose weight and bulk up by yourself. But if right. you have someone who knows what they're doing, yeah. they can t- teach you. And there's, it's also just helpful for me. Like, what should I be doing, you know, to help them? Right. Well, I am that. actually one of those PTs. I actually work with Cindy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I contract with her and wonderful company. Atlanta Children's Therapy Associates anyways. But yes, with all the kids I work with, the parents really are amazing and just so appreciate, you know, us coming in. And right now we're doing a lot of teletherapy and it's really cool because we're seeing parents work, putting their own hands now on the kids and really getting more involved with their kids. So that's kind of neat for me to be watching a little bit from a distance. But yeah, the, the therapies can be really just life enhancing for everybody, for the children, for the parents, mm-hmm. for their siblings. And thank you for uh, bringing that up. I wanted well, to go back to your nonprofit and just find out what are some of your goals for the future with this organization? Um, well, our what we're trying to do right now, since a lot of the parents have trouble like financially, I guess, or just how to figure out the traveling to the specialists. So we're giving travel grants to help them with that. Um, Not necessarily just for, you know, flying to certain specialists, but even if, you know, they have to drive a few hours to 
um, to the uh-huh. main, you know, main city in their, um, in their states. And also, you know, we want to help also people in other countries that have to travel to the main um, hospitals. And we are working on the webinars with our medical advisory team. And we also want to just, it's important for us to get the information out to the parents since when we started this, you know, we were so devastated in the the unknowns and whatnot. We want to just have everything there for them, all the resources for, you know, Ronald McDonald House for if they, you know, have to travel and stay somewhere, the flights, there's angel flights and a few other organizations that will will get you there, fly you there with their volunteer um, pilots. And also if they can't get you a flight, they sometimes pay for the flight commercially. And they do that for like medically fragile children. Like they mm-hmm. actually, Angel Flights flew us back from New York because we were discharged. We were flown up there, medic flighted, but then getting back home. Right. Um, it was the worst flu season in 10 years, two years ago. And we had to get back and we did not want to have to fly, you know, back in that situation with a newborn. So they actually flew us back. So that was wonderful. What so was that all- like? What was that flight like? Like, is it a small plane? Like, what's that like? It was, that one was actually a jet. It was quite fancy. <laughs> really? It was, yeah, it was nice. A lot of them are usually little puddle jumpers and you have to make several stops, which we were mm-hmm. also not that excited about because mm-hmm. of, you know, the pressure changes and the brain, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. I was like, so we were really fortunate that somebody was volunteering and flying back to Atlanta. I guess that kind of works out. New York to Atlanta is a pretty heavily yeah. flown um, legs. So it was definitely, wow. yeah, those so are things felt- like we don't think about like pressure changes or, you know, yeah. <laughs> until you, until you have a child with that diagnosis. Yeah. So I want to help people with like the, um, how to navigate insurance or, or just to, it's important to ask, like you need to ask for a medical necessity letter, you know, that it's, you mm-hmm. need a specialist to do it. And also that to get things covered, you need to just ask. And yes, it's a pain and so many hoops to jump through, but they usually will, you know, make it be a network or all that stuff. And we want to give those tools to everyone and help yeah. them navigate through this because it's just, and you're just in shock and scared and, you know, feel so hopeless and helpless that yeah. we want to try to help them that way. And in the future, we do want to do, we want to get it added to the, um, checking for the vein of Galen to the newborn protocol. Cause it's very interesting. You can actually listen with the stethoscope, you know, how they check the heart and the reflexes yeah. and the eyes and ears, nose, they could just listen with a stethoscope to the head and you could hear the whooshing of the malformation. Whoa. So we're wanting to have that added to the newborn protocol when they just check for all babies. It's not like you need an MRI or anything like that. It's quite simple to check for it. Uh-huh. And they actually already check for a really rare tumor behind the eye, which is super, super rare. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, if you can check for that, you can just listen to the head. And we also, <laughs> right. <laughs> eventually, we'd also love to um, help with research, to fund research for different things. And Dr. Orbach is in Boston. He's also specializes in of Galen malformation. He's trying to do things in vitro, which would be you know, mm-hmm. awesome to be able to do this even earlier. A lot of children aren't going to make it to delivery. So this would be a good way to help yeah. them before that. And how can people get involved? 
Our website is vogm.org. It's the acronym for vein of Galen malformation. Right now, I mean, we're trying to do, you know, find corporate sponsors. We're doing fundraisers. We're selling t-shirts if anyone wants one. Um, We would love volunteers in uh, main cities like New York and Boston who might live near the Ronald McDonald house that could store and deliver. We have like care packages for families who are staying there. And also we want to get like um, gift cards to like the grocery stores nearby that could be given to them as well. That would be really helpful, like volunteers in the areas. And yeah, if anyone obviously knew anyone in the medical field to get us added to the newborn protocol, that would be quite helpful. (laughs) Um, We're trying to figure that all out. Um, We're obviously new to all of this since we just started. Yeah, we're... Okay. Well, that's so awesome. So people can go to your website and there's like a contact or volunteer Mm -hmm. or something there. Okay. Fantastic. Marlena, thank you so much. This has been so informative. So I really appreciate your time, but it's particularly, I just want to thank you so much for what you're doing for everybody else and all the children out there who have this diagnosis. So thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. Have a great evening and stay healthy. Thank you for listening and sharing. I really appreciate your helping me spread tips that might be of help to someone you know. And remember that why is not near as important as what and how. Have a special day.